that I was bragging on you this morning. I had the chance this morning to be with um, the men at Simsonia Baptist Church up the road a little ways. I was there at their men's breakfast and I uh, told them, I, I said, uh, you know, I brag on my church every chance I get because I love the people there and... and um, and I told them what great people you are. Now, don't don't if you know any of them, and they you know don't let them down now because they really think highly of you now. So anyway, but um, but I told them I said now their their love for me is going to be tested today because from what I understand, Kentucky's got a ball game at eleven o'clock. <laughs> and now, out of respect, I wore blue today. Out of nothing more than respect and love for you, just want you to know that. Because Louisville did beat the number one team in the country yesterday. I don't know if you saw the game. But anyway, you knew I was going to have to get that in somehow. But anyway, um, so, so, you know, I know Kentucky's got a ball game today. I was made fully aware of that, trust me. Um, and uh, in a respectful way, you know, kind of a smile, pat on the back. You know Kentucky's got a ball game at 11. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Now I do. And so anyway, um, I think back uh, on things like that. Um, the church uh, in Louisville, that's my home church, um, is set up to where in the sanctuary there's a screen behind the pastor. And, and, and attached to the balcony, there's a, there's a big screen as well so that the choir and the vocalists and all that, they can see the words and not forget things. And also so that, uh, you know, the pastor can kind of keep up with where he is so on on the outline or whatever he's doing and kind of monitor that and, and for different things and and the pastor that I worked for there in Louisville it was from Bowling Green was a huge Louisville Cardinal fan all right his older brother had gone to to the University of Louisville and so uh, Kevin had, had followed Louisville for years and he was a diehard Cardinal fan had season tickets to both basketball and football well as you know typically on Wednesday nights there's college basketball games that are taking place and and uh, we were on the Eastern Time Zone. They'd start about 7 o'clock. And so Freedom Hall was probably 25 or 30 minutes with the traffic from where our church was. And you got to get parked and get in and all that stuff. And so typically what our pastor would do was he would uh, preach the service, which started at 6.30, get done about 7.30, and then he'd take off and try to head down to the game, which I would probably do too. Well, one night uh, the game started, and, <clears throat> and they... Th- the people controlling everything in the back uh, knew that they could split the feed from what was seen on the screen behind him to what was seen on the screen in front of him. Now, understand this, and, and we don't have, uh, I was trying to figure this out, but, but we're, maybe not yet. They had capability of having cable TV in there. And so he gets up to preach about 7 o'clock that evening, and the Louisville game comes on the screen, and he's Nobody else can see it. He's watching the Louisville game as he's preaching his message. That didn't last for very long. I, I thought if if you know if I really I guess really 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 was was uh, loving you that much today, I could have worked out where we could have the game on behind me, and you know it would be a two way street because you'd get to enjoy the game and you'd be cheering. And I just think, hey, all right, you know. So, but but we're we're not quite there yet. But anyway, uh, I hope you're doing well. We're we're continuing our series this morning. We started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, based out of the book of Joshua, what we're doing is, is taking that particular book and simply walking through it, uh, getting the whole perspective on it. Instead of just yanking things out of it here and there, we're trying to get a, an overall perspective. And so we, we've uh, so far uh, sort of unveiled some of the secrets that, uh, that God shows us are those secrets to ultimate success. Now, you ever seen one of those shows uh, where they, 
they unveil the secrets to these different magicians and so on. You ever watch one of those shows? I, I like that. Now, I, I know there's, there's uh, the guys that do all of that are not really magicians. They're illusionists. And so they, they create illusions, you know, smoke and mirrors kind of stuff. And, and yet I'm always fascinated to know how on earth did they do that? I was watching some stuff the other day, and this guy was, was amazing people because he had a, a match in his hand, just a regular match out of a, a book of matches. And, and he put it in the palm of his hand, and he had that person, and, and he would concentrate on that particular match, and it would start doing tricks in his hand. I said, how on earth did he do that? I mean, that just doesn't even make sense. You know, I know there's some trick to it. Well, it turns out it was a special match that he kind of sleight of hand, and, and that's the one he wound up with, and it had a little metal strip uh, in the middle of it, and it was closed up, and he had a, metal, uh, a, a magnet up his sleeve. And so he would just run it over, and that thing would stand on in and amaze people. And I'm always fascinated by that sort of thing. I'm not going to try to do any magic tricks for you this morning because odds are they wouldn't work and then, then illustration shot. But, um, but as, we've, as we've looked at the Scripture, I, I believe that there are things that, that God has in there that if we look hard enough, and we really don't have to look that hard, but we have to look past just a, a simple reading of the Scripture. We have to look from the perspective. We want to find something here. I believe that we'll unveil some of the secrets that God wants us to know about. And, and I don't think that God has hidden them to where we can't find them, or else what good is the Scripture? So I don't believe that they're hidden too deep. But as we've looked at this particular book of Joshua, uh, it starts off by telling us how to have ultimate success. And so we've, we've, begun, uh, we've unveiled four secrets to ultimate success so far. The first one we talked about uh, was the fact that ultimate success is not found in chasing things of the world, money and possessions and how much stuff you can get and how much you can accumulate in the size of your home and, and what kind of career and job and all the promotions you can get. But ultimate success is found in, in faithfulness and obedience to God's Word. And so if we're going to be successful in life as individuals and also as a church, we've got to make that our foundation, period. Nothing else can compete with that. And so if we're not pursuing that 100%, then the other things we gain along the way will, will make us like the people Jesus talked about when he said, what, do, what good does it do you to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul or give up your soul, give up your relationship with God? And so that was the first one we looked at in the first nine verses of the, of the first chapter of Joshua. Then along with that, on that particular Sunday evening, we looked at the fact that if we're, we're going to operate with a redefinition of success, that it's going to take some strength and courage along the way. And we've got to find that strength and courage through the presence of God, depending upon Him and, and following His Word. And so it's, it's great to have a new definition that we're not just like the world, but at the same time, we've got to have some strength and courage if we're going to make it. And then last Sunday morning, we looked at the fact that in Joshua, at the end of chapter 1 and, and all through chapter 2, that there exists this perfect choreography between us and God in, in right relationship with Him, that we do our part and we trust Him to do His. And we do our part fully, but we don't try to usurp His authority or His position because we trust Him to do His part. Our part is to be faithful. Our part is to do what we know to do. Our part is to follow His Word. His part is to fulfill His promises, to come through when He says He will. And then uh, last Sunday evening, we looked at the fact that uh, we need to be ready for God to show up. How do, you, how do you have success? Well, you be faithful to God's Word, and you trust Him to come through. You've got to be ready for God to show up. And we looked at that particular chapter, which was chapter 3 last Sunday evening, uh, about how the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, which seemed like an impossible situation. And we all face those impossible situations. Our premise has been through all of this that none of us have any idea what's going to happen this year. None of us have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea 
thinking back over the last week, the last month, the last year, there are things in your life that you would certainly say, I never saw that coming. had no idea that was going to happen, good, bad, or otherwise. I look back over the last year and a half of our lives, my, my, my life with Nancy and the kids, and we just think, I never saw that coming. Didn't see that happen. Good things, bad things, some things in between. And so uh, at the same time, we all would say that we want to be successful in whatever we face. Nobody in their right mind would say, I know I don't know what I'm going to face, and whatever it is, I hope I just fail miserably. Nobody in their right mind would say that. Nobody at all. We all would say that, you know, I'm not sure I know how to be successful, or I haven't been successful in the past maybe, but, you know, I really want to be successful with whatever it is that I encounter. And so that's why we've approached this text the way we have, is to look at it and say, how can we have ultimate success no matter what we face? And so we get today to chapter 4. Now, catch you up briefly from last Sunday night. As I mentioned, the, the Israelites, at the beginning of chapter 4, they have just crossed the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan, at, that, at, at the time that they crossed, it was overflowing its banks. It didn't seem like there was any way to get across an impossible situation. I'm sure you've dealt with those in your life before, maybe an illness, maybe a loss of a family member, maybe a loss of a job, just difficult situations that you stand against and you think, there's no way this is going to work out right. And yet we see in, in Joshua, Joshua chapter 3 where God said, here's what's going to happen, and it happened. And he parted the waters. God came through in a miraculous way as the Israelites were ready for him to show up, and he did. And so that's sort of where we pick up the story today. Now, I, I had a couple of folks, which I appreciated, uh, ask me last Sunday evening, what version of the Bible are you using? Because it was different than the one they've got. And, uh, and I realized that if we took a poll, we have all kinds of different Bible translations here. In fact, in my office, I have eight different translations on my shelf. Now, I don't use all those at the same time, but I just try to get a, a wide variety of those. Maybe you've got a King James or an NIV or a New American Standard or all kinds of different ones. The one I'm actually using... Uh, is probably one that, that very few of you have, I would assume, because it's a relatively new translation. It's called the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, it is one that's available at the bookstore uh, on the square. Uh, but because I know that, that it's difficult sometimes for you to follow along, I've got it on the screen behind me today. I hope that helps. Uh, maybe you, if, if it's big enough, uh, we'll figure that out. I don't know if those of you in the back and, and uh, will be able to see it. You can let me know after the service. But it's worth a shot. All right, how about that? So we're going to look at the entire chapter, and then we're going to go back and figure out what God is saying to us, right? So you'll see it on the screen behind me, uh, starting in, in chapter 4, verse 1. After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve men from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan, where the priest's feet are standing. Carry them with you and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean to you? You should tell them. The waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the, Lord's, the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did just as Joshua commanded them. The twelve men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones are there to this day. 
The priest carrying the ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people, in keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people hurried across, and after everyone had finished crossing, the priests with the ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh went in battle formation in front of the Israelites, as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed to the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him throughout his life as they had revered Moses. The Lord told Joshua, Command the priests who carry the ark of the, of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up from the Jordan. When the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan, and their feet stepped out on solid ground, the waters of the Jordan re- resumed excuse me, their course, flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan, and he said to the Israelites, When your children ask their fathers in the future, What is the meaning of these, of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Now, as we look at at one of the secrets and unveiling that of ultimate success, here's Here's what we're up against. Here's what we're battling, just like with all of the other ones. Our enemy, Satan, who is real, wants us to stay confused and stay uh, sort of in the dark on, on how we can achieve this ultimate success. Because he knows that if he can keep us chasing all of the other things that the world has to offer, and he will keep us from the one thing that God wants from us that will keep us in right relationship with him, and that's being faithful and obedient to God's word. And so as we've looked at all of these secrets, it's had to be unveiled because many times Satan sort of clouds our minds and keeps us from seeing the truth. And so this one today that I want us to look at based upon this particular passage of Scripture is is this. And you'll see on the back of your bulletin, if you like to kind of follow along and fill in blanks and that kind of stuff, you can do that. If not, you can just nod and smile and make me think you're paying attention. All right? We have that sort of agreement. I appreciate that. Somebody falls asleep, you hit them and they jump, and it, you know, it makes it really seem like I just struck a chord. So, so here's, here's the secret that we're going to look at today, and it's this, that, that we need to establish ways to celebrate and remember what God is doing. Establish ways to celebrate and to remember what God is doing. And we're going to look at how we peel that back from this particular passage of Scripture. We're going to look at three things. What is it that we're talking about? Why should we do it? And then how should we go about this? What are some ideas for this? All right, so keep in mind, if you can kind of put yourself in the story, which I think is important to do, keep in mind that they had just seen God do something unbelievable, that God stopped the water of a river that was overflowing its banks. Now, I'm not sure that any of us have ever seen that happen. If you have, I'd be happy to talk with you about it after we get done. That'd be a neat story to hear. We've all seen God do some really incredible things in our lives. Now, I don't know how God has shown up in your life particularly. I know how He's done in mine. A lot of times it's in very subtle ways that I look back and I say, you know, 
I didn't really see God working, but man, He was doing something. And then it's other times when I just think, you know, God, if you don't come through here, then, then, then this isn't going to work. I mean, I'm going, I'm going under, so to speak. I'm, I'm going to drown in this situation, God, if you don't. And He does. And so I can look back over my life and see these different times when God has come through. And so Joshua does not want, God does not want, the people of Israel to forget what God has done. Now understand that where we pick it up in the story, they're not yet in the promised land. They're not totally where God was leading them. And neither are you, neither am I, neither are we. We're all on that journey to where God is taking us. And so you might say, well, okay, they're, they're not totally where they, where they need to be. I mean, don't, don't I need to stop at some point when I arrive where God wants me to be and then, and then stop and celebrate and look back and thank God for all that He's done? And I, I would say based upon this example and, and simply common sense of walking with God, that no, we don't need to wait until we arrive. Why? Because we're never going to arrive fully at where God wants us to be until we're in heaven. And, and then we'll celebrate and remember what God has done for all eternity. But now we've got to take some time during the moments of our lives when God shows up and say, you know, I'm going to celebrate what God has done. I'm going to remember what He has done, which will point me toward ultimate success. And so as we look at what that might look like, I want you to think in terms of, of creating and establishing something that will help you to celebrate and remember. And so you look under the heading there of, of what? what? What should it be? I, I believe the first thing that we see in, in verses 1 through 3, it ought to be something visible. There ought to be something visible that you have that reminds you to celebrate, and and it serves as a memorial to commemorate what God has done. After the entire nation had finished crossing, the Lord told Joshua, choose 12 men, one man for each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priest's feet are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. It was something visible. It wasn't something that they would just keep in their minds. Our minds are, are funny things sometimes. Sometimes we forget things. I hear it gets worse as you get older, um, but not to everybody. Okay, I understand. But I've heard stories. It gets a little bit tougher to hang on to those memories. I know in my own life, I think back and I remember certain events happening, but I've lost the details now. Somebody else will have to fill in the gaps for me. And so this was going to be something that was visible for them, that, that was meant to be seen. You know, it's that old statement, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, if you... If you put out of sight what God has done and not set up something that's visible, not have a visible reminder of what God has done, then you're likely to forget. The other day, I went to Office Depot, and I knew I needed to get some paper. And there was something else I was supposed to get. And I, I hadn't written it down. I just figured, you know, yeah, I'll remember it. I got to Office Depot, and I had to walk up and down. Literally, Nancy called me, and, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm walking up and down the aisles of Office Depot trying to remember what it is I'm supposed to get. Because I figure if I see something in Office Depot, it'll remind me that that's what I've got to get. I couldn't remember. It turns out what I needed was at Walmart. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. And it wasn't until I walked out of Walmart later on that I remembered, which is natural. You know, I didn't write it down. I didn't have anything to remind me that was visible of what I needed to do, of what, what I was supposed to get. And so these stones were visible. Think of something that you could establish that's visible to keep in your mind to remind you of what God has done. I think in the same verses we see, not only is it visible, but it's reflective. And, and what I mean by reflective is the fact they took stones from the middle of the river where the river had been. These stones weren't something. They walked along the shoreline and they got a little way down the road and they said, you know, 
yeah, let's, let's grab some stones and just say they were kind of from around the river and we'll put them together and, yeah, that'll remind us. They took stones actually from the river. Think about what you do and what I do when we, when we mark an occasion, something that, it, that, that reflects an event. Now, I remember the, that the very first time when Nancy and I were first dating, and it was the fall of 1996, and she came with me back to Louisville uh, to, to my youth group reunion. Every year we had a youth group reunion for my church, and, and, and I remember the very first one she went to. Somebody took a picture. This picture has been in our home. Uh, you'll see this. There we are. Um, turn down the lights just, just a little bit because I want you to notice something. Not only is this a wonderful picture, and, and she, of course, is beautiful then as she is now, but if you can tell, I've got some hair. And I, I was proud, you know, of... I, some of you wouldn't believe I actually had some unless I put a picture up. Of course, this was a long time ago. We had just started dating. And, and, and now, you know, later on in college, I, 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 some of you wouldn't believe this unless I showed you a picture. I dyed my hair blonde on, on a dare, and there it is. Um, it just it didn't go with the eyebrows at all. That's my dad there. I was getting ready. To, we were down in, in Louisiana, as a matter of fact. Now, Nancy, would, it drove her nuts. This was about two months before we got married. And so my last haircut cut out the last little part of blonde right before we got married. She was a little nervous. Um, you know, we, what we do, though, is we, we take pictures of things to mark an event. I mean, it's reflective. You have pictures in your home that remind you of something, family pictures or some, some vacation you took, or you, you make a scrapbook that reflects what it is, or you... You take a souvenir or something like that. One thing that I do is I collect ticket stubs, uh, and, and ticket stubs from games that I've, that I've been to. I, I, I put a few of them up. This was uh, the earliest recollection that I have, anyway, of me going to a baseball game, 1980 in Cincinnati. I was three years old, and I have the ticket stub when I went to the ball game in 1980. Now, later on, I've got some other ones here that you'll see. Um, this in 1983, to my recollection, this was the game when Johnny Bench, my hero, announced that he was retiring from baseball. I cried like a baby. Six years old, I was devastated. But I've got the ticket stub to remind me of that. And then I figured for you St. Louis Cardinal fans, um, this was, uh, I went to, the, to Ozzie Smith's last regular season game in Bush Stadium. I was there. And I saw him, his kids, and, and he went out and they did their flip and all that kind of stuff. I was there. And then in 1998, when Mark McGuire was pursuing the record, I was there on Friday, September 4th, you see in the bottom, when he had... 60 home runs, and he didn't hit one. And then I was there on September 6th when he had 61, and he didn't hit one. <laughs> but I was there, and so, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me, uh, you know, as we, as we mark occasions, I, those are things that I collect. And, and one of the things that we do, too, we take souvenirs. When I, when I took uh, youth groups to camp, one of the things that we stole or, or borrowed, I suppose, um, <laughs> Was, was this paddle, and this is from uh, the senior class of 2006, different kids that just signed it, and I keep it at, you know, at my house. It, it's a souvenir. We took it there from the camp. I'm not sure if anybody knows, so don't, don't tell them. But, but we, we, we had them sign it, and, and you know what? It means something. It's, it, it's a reminder of the time that we had there. And so the, the, the things that were the ways, the, the things that we want to establish to reflect sort of what Joshua and the Israelite people did involve things uh, that mark the occasion by being visible, by being reflective. And I think thirdly, by being very obvious. 
If you look in, in chapter uh, 4, verse 4, it says, So Joshua summoned the twelve men selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder. Now, think about it. These weren't pebbles they were taken from the river. These weren't little things they could just carry in their hand or whatever. Joshua said, get something that's obvious. Get something you're going to have to carry on your shoulder. What, what do we have in our lives that's visible, that reflects what God has done, and it's obvious? Wasn't it easy just to sort of hide that stuff out of the way? I mean, you've got people maybe that come to your home or your desk at work or where your business or whatever it is that you do, or they ride around with you. And, and you know, we, we turn the music down just a little bit if, if you've been listening to maybe some, some Christian music on the radio or if you're listening to somebody preach or you just maybe you just kind of tone it down a little bit. Or those things in your home are just not quite as obvious. Joshua says it's got to be something that you're going to have to carry on your shoulder. It's not something to be ashamed of what God has done. It's something to establish a way, some sort of thing to remember what God has done, to celebrate what He has done. And so these things were not going to be easily hidden. I, I, I think in my own life and ask you the question as well, what, what's most obvious when you walk into your home? What's obvious? My, my office, when you walk into my office, you're going to see two things that are very obvious. One, there's a lot of books. Two, there's a ton of baseball stuff. Just everywhere. Walk into my office, sometimes it's all over the place. That's what's obvious. And I have to be honest with you, reading and studying this particular passage of Scripture, preparing to talk with you about it, it's convicting for me because I want to know what's obvious in my life. Am I carrying the Lord around like He's something that's on my shoulder and I put Him in my pocket and say, you know what, I pull out when I need it. Is it a pebble that I'm carrying around or is it something obvious and I'm not ashamed to follow Jesus? Do we try to hide that fact? And then verses 8 through 9 just describe how routine this was. In fact, in the Old Testament on several occasions, they used stones to mark occasions, to set up an altar, to remember things that had taken place. This was routine. And, and I want to challenge you and challenge myself as we begin to unveil these secrets of what ultimate success is going to look like, and we try to figure out ways that we can celebrate and remember what God has done, I want to challenge us to do it even in the small things. I mean, how can we do in the smallest little things, celebrate, commemorate something that God has done? They did it over and over and over in the Old Testament. And not only that, but it's lasting. Chapter 9, or excuse me, verse 9 of chapter 4 at the end, it says, the stones are there to this day. They established ways. They established something. They put up a, 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 a sort of a, a pile, so to speak, of these rocks that that lasted, these stones that lasted. They're there to this day. They took their legacy. They took who was coming after them very seriously. And I know that many of you do as well, but I want to challenge us all to take our legacy, who's going to follow us, very seriously. And I think it's hard because it's easy, and I know in my life, easy to get caught up in just the me part of life and the now part of life. And I seldom, seldom or maybe not often enough, Think of those who will follow me and what will they gain? What will they see that's been obvious in my life? And then along with that what, it's personal. Verses 21 to 23 kind of hint toward that the future generations are going to be told this story as if they were there. As if they were actually experiencing Even though they may not even have been born yet, they would hear the story of what God had done in Israel as if they were there. 
I've got a copy of the history of Elm Grove Baptist Church. I wonder, I wonder what will the people coming after us experience. Will they read that story like they were there? I mean, will they read our lives as if they experienced the very things that God did in our lives? And you may say, okay, well, where are you going? I mean, that, that sounds great. What are you even talking about? You know, you do these things, you, you establish these ways that are visible and that are, that are obvious and that are reflective of the event, that are routine. You do it all the time. They last and they're personal. Why in the world would you do that? And the Bible makes it very clear. Look at verse 6 and look at verse 21 if you still got your Bible open. The first reason why is to start conversations with your kids. So this in verse 6 will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? And then verse 21 And he said to the Israelites, When your children ask their fathers in the future, what is the meaning of these stones? The whole reason we establish these ways, these things, these visible signs of what God has done, one of the main reasons is to start conversations with our kids. Okay, well, I don't have any kids. My kids are all grown. My kids are out of the home. What do I do? That that word kids there, that word children, simply means all those who will follow. Who's it going to be? can be literal children, absolutely. I've got three of my own. Start conversations with your kids. I mean, what are they curious about in the first place? Lucy and I were watching the UofL game yesterday. And there's one particular player on UofL's team I'm not real fond of. And I kept talking about how awful he is and how terrible I think he is and all the things that, you know, a preacher should say, you know, about somebody else who's a college student, you know. And anyway, she, she looks up at me and she says, Daddy, she said, if he's that bad... She said, why don't they make him wear number zero? You know, it's like the worst number, you know, I guess. I said, you know, I never thought about that. She's curious about that kind of stuff. She heard me talking about it. What, what, are, what are the people in your life that are younger than you, that are following you, that are coming after you, be it your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, whomever, what are they curious about? And what are you putting in front of them to make them curious? I believe that, that these stones that the, that the Israelites established were meant to be to, to draw attention to those stones, for somebody to be able to walk by, for a kid to be able to, to hold hands walking down the road or so on with their dad or their mom or their grandpa, or years later, somebody says, you know, I wonder, what that, I wonder what that's about. I mean, when somebody walks into your home, when somebody encounters you, are there things there that are conversation pieces? I'm sure there are. Some are kind of interesting. Some are odd. Some are, you know, things that only you know about an inside story. But, but, you know, those are the things that I believe that God is kind of saying, you know, if you're going to have ultimate success, you've got to put in front of you things that will remind you to celebrate what God has done. And make it something that will be a conversation starter. To start conversations with your kids. They're curious about a lot of things. And I think by and large in America, and by and large as Christians, I think we, we do a, a subpar job of passing on to our children the truth of God's Word. The reality of what God has done in our lives. Am I, am I trying to be down on us? No, that's not the point. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we've got to make an effort to do that. They had to carry stones up out of that river on their shoulders so they'd have something to talk about with their kids. Don't just take it for granted. What do we talk to them about? Do we set things in front of them? I think a second thing is to keep us, to keep you from discouragement. Why should you... Remember and celebrate to keep you from discouragement. In verse 7 it says, You should tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, 
the waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial to the Israelites. Verse 22, you should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. As you tell the story, as you remember what God has done, it keeps you from discouragement. you ever face dark times? I guarantee you, if you're honest, we've all faced them, and we may put on the prettiest smiling face ever, but, but most likely you've gone through some deep, dark moments in your life. And it's in those moments where Satan wants to get you in a corner and just beat you senseless. Is that not the way that it works? He just gets you over there and just starts wearing you out, making you forget anything that's good about God. When you've got those reminders in your life, when you walk into your living room, when you get into your car, when you look out in your front yard, wherever it may be, you've got something that reminds you to keep you from discouragement because you know, no, no, God is not dead. He is alive. Look what He's done in my life. Look at the markers I've got all along the way to show me what God has done. I remember that, and I'm going to celebrate that. And in the times of discouragement, that's what I'm leaning on. In the times where I can't see God moving, I'm going to that marker, and I'm going to say, I know what God has done. In those times of discouragement, I think it's so important that we've got ways to remember and to celebrate all over again what God did keeps us from discouragement, keeps us from the depression that quickly follows. If you've got nothing to remember what God has done, that discouragement's going to be there. And that depression is quickly going to follow. And then, ultimately, all of this in verse 24 culminates. The main reason why is to point to God. Verse 24 says this, This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. It was a sign to those people and to those people they would come in contact with that God is powerful and it reminds us to always be obedient to Him. Our circumstances are going to change. We have no idea what's coming up tomorrow. We have no idea what's going to happen this year. Our circumstances are going to argue with us about is God good or not? Does He still care? Does He still know my address? Does He know where I live? Does He care at all about what I'm going through? Your circumstances are going to argue back and forth. And if you don't have things that bring you back to God, then you're in trouble. If you don't have reminders that you say, you know what, I remember that at this time in my life, at this year, around these people, this is what God did. And He can do it again. It reminded them of the story 40 years before when God parted the Red Sea. And they would continue to tell these stories. God came through in that way and He, he did it again. And He can do it again and again and again. So we see what kind of we're going for and why we should do it. And then I, I just I thought, well, how can we, how can we do this? And, and the list that I've got there on the, the bulletin is not a definitive list. This is not a list of, of things, well, the pastor said you ought to go and do this, so if you don't come back next week, your homework done, then you're in trouble. That's not what I'm going for. My, my thing is to maybe spur some creativity in you. What about for some of you who enjoy writing, Taking some time, my grandmother is writing her, uh, just sort of her memoir, so to speak. Is it ever going to be published in some great book? Probably not, but I'll enjoy reading it. I'll enjoy seeing her life and what God has done in her life. What about a personal, just spiritual journal or some history? Some of you have plenty of time. And I, I would encourage you to take advantage of it. Take advantage of it by doing something like that. Maybe get somebody to write it for you as you just dictate to them what happened in different parts of your life or Maybe you create a, just a family spiritual scrapbook. We, Nancy loves to do scrapbooking and things like that, and she's good at it. And so we, we've got some of those things, and, 
and, and we just we, we have scrapbooks. What if, what if you have some way of creating these visual memories and, and celebrations in, a, in some sort of form like that, or, or to create some experiences to mark spiritual milestones for your kids? When they give their life to Jesus, you mark that occasion with something that you do, a sort of a rite of passage, so to speak. It's one of the things we don't do very much anymore. Certain organizations may do those, Boy Scouts and different things like that. They have, they have markers. They, they receive something and, and, and to, to mark the occasion. Marking certain spiritual milestones in their lives. Memory of Scripture and different things like that. Maybe, maybe I thought about, what if we had enough things that we could say, here's what God did in 2009, and here's what He did in January and February and March and all the way through the year that that we had so many of those things that at the end of the year, we just put them together and said, here's our yearbook for the year. Here's what God did in the life of Elm Grove Church in 2009. What if we had enough of those? And we just got creative and we said, we're going to leave this sitting somewhere that's obvious so people can flip through this and they can see what God is doing in the life of our church. And years from now, when we're gone from here or when we face discouragement, we can pull those things back out and see, no, God is not dead. Look what He was doing then. He can do it again. Maybe on the walls of your home, you would create these memories. You would create these things, whatever they are, to be placed in strategic locations on your way out the door that reminds you of who God is. When you get up in the morning on the bathroom mirror, there's something to remind you of who God is. In the, in the rooms of your children, I, I would encourage you almost, and, and I'm not a designer, but be tacky if you have to. Put something up to remind you of who God is. Do it in a way that's personal, that's reflective, that's creative. And there may be pictures of influential people in your life before it's too late. I guarantee you've got people, I can think and run through a list right now, of people in my life that I say, that person helped me see God. They pointed me in God's direction. What if you just had a little album full of those people and you just said, you know what? That's the person God used. What about their life can I follow even now, even if they're gone? Get it before it's too late. And above all, maybe just get creative. Just think of what is it that God would have me do that I can establish a way, a ceremony, a tradition in my life, something I can see, something I do that reminds me of who God is. It helps me to celebrate what He's doing. And, and, and as we close, the question I guess then is, why, why is this a secret? of ultimate success. What does this have to do with success? The truth is, when you have these things in your life, just as the Israelites did, as they would pass by this from time to time, it would help them to be faithful and obedient to God's Word because they would continue to celebrate, to remember what God has done. And they would pass it along. There's no greater privilege that we have than to pass on Jesus Christ to the people that come behind us. And I guess the question then is, will we do that, and will we get creative in how we present that to them? And one caution as we end is, it's not about worshiping now those things that we create. The Israelites obviously got themselves in trouble over and over and over in the Old Testament for worshiping things they had created. That's not the point. It's not setting up a shrine to ourselves to say, look at me and how great I am because God has moved so wonderfully in my life. Because that's self-righteousness and something Jesus had strong words for. They don't replace God, these things that we would create, these ways, these traditions, these visible reminders. They simply remind us of God's involvement, His greatness, His power, 
His glory, His holiness, His working in our lives, and it points us to further worship of Him. And if it doesn't do that, then take it off the wall. If it doesn't remind you of God's greatness, it doesn't point you to further walk with Him and encouragement, then quit doing it. But if it does, no matter how tacky that thing may look, you leave it there. No matter what people may say, well, yeah, you know, he's a little religious. You keep living for him at your desk at work. You put up those visible reminders so that at work, in those moments where you don't feel like walking with God anymore because somebody just ticked you off, that you be reminded, God has come through. He can see me through this situation with this person that I don't really like. Wherever you are, I pray you'll have those visible reminders because the Israelites weren't done yet, but they knew along the way we've got to be able to look back and say, God did this, and He saw us through. Some of you would say, you know, that sounds great, but I'm not even sure I know where to start with all of this stuff. And maybe you're a person who says, you know, I, I don't have a lot in my life that I can look at and say God did this and God did that. Maybe for you, you'd say, you know, I, just, I need to begin today brand new. I just want to I I give my life to Him so that I'll have these things. Or, you know what, it's just been a while since I've focused on the things of God. I just want to start over today. The Lord's available for you. In just a moment, if you'd like to come down and spend some time in prayer or just pray there at your pew, or if you'd like to talk and, and so on, I'll be available. I'll be hanging out after the service as well. But... I hope that you're, that you're challenged today, and I'm challenged to go and actually do something, make something, create something that will remind us of what God has done. He is at work, and He will continue to be at work, and I hope that we'll create those reminders to celebrate and remember what God has done, because we need them. The world is a dark place. It's not a place that loves God, and we've got to have those reminders to spur us on, to keep us on the path of ultimate success, because as I said at the beginning, Satan wants to distract you, take your eye off the ball. And if he can get you focused on everything else and celebrating everything else in your life but what God has done, if he can get you just to keep it in your mind and it slowly erodes and then in times of discouragement he takes you to the deepest, darkest points you've ever seen. If you don't have anything to remind you, then failure is probably what's going to happen. But if you've got it, you can continue to be on the path of ultimate success. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And God, even in something that seems as simple and maybe as odd as as hearing a message about going and making something. God, I pray that ultimately what we do is, is meant to remind us of how great you are. Meant to remind us of your deliverance in our lives. The times when you've come through and the times and how good you've been to us. And God, may we take it seriously based upon the example of the Old Testament that they needed reminders. And God, we're, we're not above that. So God, would you, would you challenge us not to just let this one sit, but to do something, no matter how young or how old we are, to get creative on how we can establish ways to celebrate and to remember what you're doing and to pass that on. And so that all will know that come into contact with us, with this church, all will know that the Lord's hand is mighty, that you are powerful and you are in charge and you are loving and caring, and that you gave Jesus Christ, your only Son, to die for our sins. God, that's our purpose and that's our goal. 
And may we always be reminded to be faithful and obedient to you by the things that we establish, to celebrate and remember what you're doing. God, help us today as we leave, as we go from here, as we face situations at work. May we take you wherever we go in a visible way. God, I pray you bring encouragement to those who need it. Lord, we again thank you for your word. We ask in Jesus' name.